Good morning. <laughs> Happy Friday. Welcome to chapel. For our opening song, we invite you to turn to number 226 in the blue hymnal and please stand. 226, you are salt for the earth. <clears throat> You are salt for the earth, O people, salt for the kingdom of God. Share the flavor of life, O people, life in the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of mercy, bring forth the kingdom of peace, bring forth the kingdom of justice, bring forth the city of God. You are light on the hill. Welcome especially to the prospective students um, that have come today. Yeah. We encourage you to use this time to worship, um, to listen to stories, and to be present here um, without the other demands of life vying for your attention. One way to be more present is to be aware of the people around you. As you gathered, you may have sat with friends, but there are likely other people around you who you don't know. So we invite you now to get up, to greet and take time to appreciate the people around you, to learn the names of the people you don't know yet. So stand up, walk around, introduce yourself, and get to know each other. Please stand for our next song, number two in the green book.
Thank you. You can be seated. Al and Andy Tauber met while they were, in college, they were college students at Illinois Wesleyan University and got married in 1989. After making their way to Chicago, they began working with Emmaus Ministries, Andy in 1999 and Al in 2004. Emmaus focuses on walking alongside men for whom prostitution is a way of life. The stories they encounter in this work are profound and challenge us all to ask the questions. Who would you have become if you, from age five to seven, were sexually abused by a neighbor? What would your life look like if you never knew your parents? How would your life be different if your parents abused drugs and forced you into sex labor as a child? Today, we are invited to get to know some of the men they serve, to see our common humanity in their struggles, and to see how they are being transformed by the grace of God. In addition to the blessing of working at Emmaus, Andy teaches piano and Al teaches guitar, bass, and drums. They are both involved in the music group at Living Water Community Church, and they perform music at coffee houses, festivals, and on back porches under the name Andy and I. Al also plays gypsy swing and Irish music with hammered dulcimer player Andy Young. Both Al and Andy love riding bikes and succumb too frequently to the siren song of the spinach and garlic pans pizza. After one more song, we will invite them to come and share with us a small portion of the stories from the streets. We'll be singing number 30 in your green, sing the journey. Right now we're going to sing the first two verses, and after we hear from Andy and Al, we'll sing the last three. But before we sing right now, Artie and Max will play it through once. Cold, it's getting cold, 
better find a place to stay Bed bugs and bad drugs and thugs at the shelter CHA Section 8's taking way too long Better pray CTA Don't do what they say Start kicking us off trains in the middle of the night Cold, gets so cold in Chicago Still have hope for me Down, I'm falling again Down that short walk It's four blocks Score some rock I'm in And you say it won't make my troubles go away But you have no idea the road This is taking me down, down Come around, face down I'll let you down, I'll let you down can't stop shaking cold Why's it gotta be so cold When I'm out here alone Unknown Yeah Oh Get some sleep with every crazy freak in Chicago Gathered at the Greyhound Terminal Hoping the security guard will just let me be Twenty days, a long way to the first of the month Holidays, empty space and loneliness till then Cold, gets so cold in Chicago do you still have hope for me, friend? So my name is Al, and that one's Andy. And we do work with this place called Emmaus Ministries. We work with men who are engaged in what we call survival prostitution. And I know that sounds like it would be a pretty heavy place to work, but I gotta say this is the best job that I have ever held in my life. And it's not just because we get to stay up really late and sleep until noon every day, except today. The most amazing thing about working at Emmaus is that through hanging out with our guys, we call the men we work with our guys, through hanging out with our guys, 
through sharing meals with them, through mingling our lives with them, I have learned more about the kingdom of God than I ever did sitting in a room like this, listening to somebody like me talk. <laughs> but since you guys are here and I'm here, I'm going to try not to waste your time. <laughs> so when I was in junior high, we had a guest preacher come to our church, and I remember him saying something to the effect that if I failed to communicate the gospel to the person sitting next to me on the bus, that person could die not knowing Jesus. And if that happened, then their eternal damnation would rest squarely on my narrow little seventh grade shoulders. It's kind of a heavy trip to put on me, I thought. But I think his motivation was good. I think what he was trying to do was to get me outside, get us to step outside of our comfort zone, to be bold, and to share our faith. And actually, we have some very, very good news. And we need to be about the business of sharing that. But also behind what he was saying was a pretty subtle form of idolatry. And I think it's something that a lot of us fall into. I know I have numerous times. And that is just that the work that I have been called to at Emmaus and the work that each and every one of us are called to by God, it's God's work. It's, it's not mine and it's not yours. God is gonna take care of that work whether I do my little bit or not. So I'm important, but I'm not essential. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, we're called co-workers, co-laborers with, with Christ. And I think it's important for us to remember that God has a lot of resources at his disposal. I mean, there's people all over the world. There's institutions, large and small, the church. In the pinch, there's the weather, right? God has a lot of resources, and I get to be one of those. And it's a real joy to be a part of what God is doing. But I trip myself up every time I start thinking that I am going to be an essential part of anybody's redemption. Remember, this is God's work. It's not mine. I'm important, but I'm not essential. So here's the, the nitty-gritty of what it is that we do at Emmaus. Um, first, we go to where the guys are. So we go out on the streets, staff and volunteers from about 10.30 at night until 2.30 in the morning. And we're basically just out there to befriend them, to get to know them, and to help them get to know us. We're trying to build relationship. We're trying to build trust. Very often that's over a cup of coffee that we can sit down and, and, and spend time with, uh, sitting on a curb somewhere. And some of the guys are open to conversation and maybe even prayer for them, but some of them are not. And we're okay with that. I mean, we have to be okay with that. And we remember, this is God's work. It's not my work. I'm important, but I'm not essential. As we get to know the guys, we invite them to our ministry center. That's the drop-in center. By the way, is anybody here from Chicago? A few people. All right. Yeah. So our drop-in center is in the Uptown neighborhood. I don't know if you guys know Uptown, but um, we're in the Uptown neighborhood, and that's where we're open six days a week, and, and the guys can come there during the day. 
The first thing that we do when they arrive is that we sit down to, the, on, at this huge table, we sit down to a family-style meal. We want to reflect that we are all invited to God's table. After the meal, we work with the guys on whatever it is that they're working on. So it, it might be related to getting them tested for HIV. It might be related to other health issues. It might be related to housing or getting into a GED program or getting into treatment, any number of things. We also offer opportunities for Bible study, for prayer, for pastoral counseling. We are a Christian ministry. We're an ecumenical ministry. Um, the guys who come to Emmaus do not need to profess Christ in order to benefit from the services that we offer, but we are a Christian organization. We'll pray for them whether they want us to or not, maybe not in their presence, but behind closed doors. Um, our founder used to say that we want two things. We want to get the guys off the streets and in a relationship with Christ. And if we get one of those things, we're happy. If we get both of them, we're ecstatic. Um, sometimes our guys disappear for a while. They, they just tend to be transient sometimes, and, and we have to then look them up on the Department of Corrections database and see if they've wound up in jail or prison. Um, maybe they've wound up in the hospital. Sometimes they've gone into treatment or something like that. And um, even when they are away from us physically, we still maintain that connection, and, and um, we do that through letters, through phone calls, visiting them when we can. We want to be able to continue to be in relationship with them and to be encouraging and supporting them. And sometimes our guys disappear permanently. They fall prey to the random violence of the streets or to AIDS, or sometimes they have maybe a, a, an issue, a health issue that would be minor to you and me. Um, we would just get something taken care of, but because of their lack of access to health care, because they're sleeping rough on the streets, um, it, it develops into something more serious and can eventually take their lives. We, we see way too many deaths, and we plan far too many funerals. And at times like that, it can be, I mean, we can get discouraged, and we can start second-guessing, and we can just keep asking ourselves, what could I have done differently? What could I have said to have made a difference? And at times like that, too, it's important to remember that this is God's work. It's not ours. I'm important, but I'm not essential. So we had known Steve for a long time. He was a really sweet guy if he liked you, and he seemed to like most people. He had this big smile and a huge laugh that had a way of sucking bad moods out of a room like a giant vacuum cleaner. He also had a tattoo of Winnie the Pooh on his stomach. <laughs> Steve had come a long way since he first showed up at the doors of Emmaus. And even though he still struggled with a few self-destructive behaviors, he'd also taken some really significant steps. He'd gotten secure housing. He uh, would work several regular jobs. 
things were kind of looking up for him and he seemed to be doing really well. But he never really let on to the pain that he was feeling inside until one day when he just gave up. He stopped eating, he stopped taking his medication, he stopped taking care of himself in any way. By the time he called Emmaus to say goodbye, he was on the verge of death. Our ministry director, Sill, talked to him and actually convinced him not to give up this way. But by the time we got him to the hospital, they said that his chances of survival were very slim. They had to sedate him heavily in order to administer all the treatments he needed. But after months of these treatments and very little consciousness, Steve actually recovered enough to be moved to a nursing home. While he was in the nursing home, things were looking better until he contracted an infection that took him back to the hospital and eventually took his life on May 25th of 2007. Steve was 37 years old. His death was the tragic result of a life of prostitution and drug abuse that he led for nearly two decades. It's not the kind of life story that makes for a very pleasant funeral. But we gathered anyway at the church down the street. I mean, what else can you do? We sang a few songs, prayed a few prayers. During the uh, time of sharing, a bunch of people stood up and talked about Steve's smile, his laugh, little quirks. Andy actually reminded everybody that Steve used to greet her and just about every other woman that he ran into with a big, hi, gorgeous. And she suggested that now that Steve was gone, the rest of us men were going to need to step up to the plate on that one. And then Lisa Martin, a longtime friend of ours and a former employee of Emmaus, came forward to share. When I heard that Steve was sick, I went to go see him right away. It was shocking to see him. It hadn't been that long since I'd seen him last, and he looked good then. But now, all these tubes running in and out of him, and skinny but still bloated and puffy, it was just hard to see him like that. He was unconscious the whole time that I was there, so I decided that I would just sit with him and pray. But then I realized I didn't know how to pray. So I asked God, what do you want me to pray for? Now, I expected to hear that I should pray for Steve to be healed or for him to be released from his suffering. But I didn't get either one of those things. Instead, what I heard God saying to me was that I should pray for two things, that Steve would recover enough to be reconciled with his family and that he would be reconciled to God. I prayed that prayer in faith that God would grant what I was asking. I'm going to say that again. I prayed that prayer in faith the assurance of things hoped for, that God would grant what I was asking. 
Now, I, I know that Steve got better for a little while after that, and I don't know what happened during that time. But this I know, our God is faithful. And I do believe that Steve is in heaven right now. Thank you. Hello, my name is Syl Davis, and I'm the ministry director at Emmaus. When Steve first went in the hospital, we asked him if we wanted, he wanted us to contact his family, and he said no. When it looked like he might never regain consciousness, we decided to try anyway. We knew he had a couple of sisters in the St. Louis area, so we went online, we called directory assistance, we even went through the friend of a friend of a police officer, but nothing. Eventually, we gave up trying. When Steve recovered and was in the nursing home, I went to visit him, and he told me right away, I want you to contact my family. Only trouble was, he didn't know any more than we did how to reach them. Still, we told him we would try. So we went back to directory assistance, this time looking for anybody with a last name anything like Steve's. And this time, on the first try, we reached his sister. Okay? Now, we were amazed, but she was shocked because she told us that her phone had been disconnected and ours was the only call that had come through. She didn't even know how it could be ringing. Okay? But the moment she found out that Steve was in the hospital, she and another sister dropped everything and came up to take care of him. Now, there had been some bad history in that family, but the minute those sisters walked in, tears started flowing, and a spirit of love and forgiveness flooded the room. And from that moment on, at least one of those sisters was with Steve until the very end. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jane. And I worked with Steve through Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Now, Steve did not like to talk much about his faith. Over the years, I can only remember a couple of what I would call spiritually significant conversations. Once, he told me, I love God, but I don't think that God loves me. I tried to talk to him more about that, but God's love was something he just couldn't accept. When Steve was sick, I went to visit him several times, and one of those times was in the nursing home when he was doing better. We had a nice visit. And when I got up to go, Steve stopped me, and he said, I know now that God loves me. I share this with you, not just to celebrate Steve's acceptance of God's love for him, but as an encouragement to us all. I think that in all of this, God was faithful, whether each one of us knew it or not. It never really gets quiet in the city, but I swear to you that it was silent in that room as all of us took in the words, the meaning of the words that we had just heard. If Steve's life were a puzzle, 
than each of us had been trying to make sense of the one piece that we held in our hand. But it wasn't until we all got together at this funeral that we were able to put those pieces together, to step back and to see the beautiful work that God had been doing in Steve's life, answering our sister Lisa's prayers, reconciling him to God, reconciling him to his family. We sat in awe and in silence. And then things got a little bit weird. Just as our director, John, was coming up to close the service, we heard footsteps coming down the aisle. And I am not making this up, okay? I need you to know this is a true story. We turned to see a Chicago police officer, a female Chicago cop in full uniform, bulletproof vest, gun on hip, coming forward to the front of the church. Hello, I'm Officer Bryant. I was across the street and a young man came over with the program for this service. I saw the picture on the cover and I realized, hey, I know this guy. So I came over as soon as I could and I am so grateful to have gotten here in time to have heard some of what you have had to share and to share a few words of my own. I first met Steve on a disturbance call. When I rolled up to the group that was causing the trouble, he broke away from them, came right up to me and said, now you are too beautiful to be a police officer. That was the beginning of our friendship. From then on, whenever I would see him out, he would smile and wave and sometimes we would talk. And when he found out that I sing, well, sometimes he would get in my patrol car and he would say, sing me a song, beautiful. So, this one is for you, Steve. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and dream of heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? A faithful friend is he, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me.
we invite you all to hear more stories and songs from Andy and Al by attending their program tonight at 7.30 in the Humble Center. And if you want to debrief from Sexual Violence Awareness Week, feel free to come to the Unity Potluck uh, um, on Saturday at 6 p.m. in Newcomer 19. Now as we head out into this day, let us go with the Spirit of God in our hearts. Go in peace.